WVCW Sports presents The Aftermath. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Aftermath, where we're going to bring you the latest in VCU sports news. We're also going to cover some big stories in the professional and college world. I'm Parker Shoemaker. Alongside me tonight is Roland Haka and Jason Bowman. Guys, back in the new semester, another round of The Aftermath. Uh, let's jump right into it, Roland. All right, we're going to start with the women's basketball. Uh, they fell to a record of 4-14, four and 1-5 to 8-10 this season after a 79-75 loss to UMass. Uh, it was actually their best game from the three-point line this season. They almost shot 56% from downtown. But uh, they, UMass started the game off with an 11-0 run, and unfortunately the Rams couldn't, couldn't come back from that. Yeah, it seems that this team they they started off 0 and 6. They were it was a rough start from the beginning. They've showed some signs of life. They've shown that they can they can score the basketball. As they, I mean, they, like you said, they shot 55.6 percent from downtown. I mean, that's unreal. And they made 10 threes that night, but still 4 and 14. I, I mean, I know they lost a lot of talent, but this is a subpar year to say the least. Yeah, it's been a little bit disappointing. They kind of got off to a slow start. You can see those flashes of trying to – there's decent pieces there. They can have room to improve as the season goes on. But, yeah, it's been it's been rough for the Rams so far. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see them to continue. The, like, they know they can make threes. They know it's there. They They obviously saw a high percentage of it. I would say keep shooting the rock. I mean, you can't – they – I mean, you can't go – anywhere but up after the way this season started and they've shown that they are moving up a little bit but I would say I mean like I said there's nowhere to go with up and it seems like they have a great success in shooting the three-pointer which was something they didn't have last year so I would say build around it become a three-point shooting team make people guard you one-on-one and then that's when you start driving it to the basket start opening up those lanes start taking advantage of it and I'm sure that, I mean, I'm here talking on the radio about it. I'm sure the coach is doing that, and it just hasn't worked. But with the pieces they got, bringing in some pieces next year, I mean, this team shows some promise, and I hope that they keep on building on what they already have there in the program at the moment. Yeah, and they, they nearly won the game. It was only a four-point loss. They, they cut it to two points with nine seconds left, but, you know, unfortunately UMass ended the game with three throws. Yeah, and that's coming off. It was a four-point loss. But they were down 10 in the third quarter, and they brought it back to be down four heading into the fourth, and then they battled all the way until the very end of the game. And, I mean, just came up short. I mean, I don't really know what UMass is looking like this year, but in-conference team, always a tough game, always a tough challenge. So you love to see that they're putting in some good effort and taking it down down to the last couple of seconds of the of the matchup right conference games are always kind of tough because you play them multiple times you know they know you better they play you every single year and uh just for this year vcu's just it's kind of a lost season at this point down to four and 14 so as you said earlier just try to shoot the three ball try to try new things and just try to build look for the future and try to just set a new culture and be able to find more success hopefully in the years ahead yeah like you said i mean there's not much else for this year so 
I'm sure they're they're not going to keep their heads down and just say this this season is a loss. Let's just give up now. For the seniors, they're going to finish as strong as they can. For the people that aren't going to graduate, they're looking to find whatever's working for them right now, build on it, and get make that stronger so they can make other assets and other parts of the game for them stronger. And then that way, next year, they're already great at what they were good at and better at what they weren't good at so they can be a better team next year. Right, and remember, this is a team that lost a lot of seniors from last year, so this is this is a young team, and, you know, they have potential, and like you said, they can only go from here. Yeah, they had one player come in this year who was averaging 30 points a game in high school. They had another one, two, other, two other players come in that were averaging over 15 a game. So they have scores there. They have good players. They need to find a couple of key defensive players for next year, maybe a solid – solid front court player, somebody down low in the post that can just grab some boards, make it happen on the block, something like that. I guess the women's basketball version of Mo Alley Cox. They find somebody like that, then I think I think they'll be able to build in the future and be able to go from there. Yeah, just yeah, like you said, just all focus now is on the future. The focus now is building for the future, try to finish strong, try to always try to pick up key wins in conference play and then move forward from there and just, yeah, just focus on the rebuild. Well, that takes us to our first talk break. We're going to be back right after this song, and we're going to talk a little bit about the men's basketball and how that's going so far this year. And welcome back to the aftermath. We're going to get into the the most exciting section of our show. We're going to talk about the men's basketball team. It seems that it could be a less exciting topic this year. One that nobody, I mean, nobody wants to see it happen, especially us. But it seems that the season is not going the way they wanted it to. Uh, VCU right now struggling, coming off of. I mean, they just won a game against. George Washington, it was tight, uh, very tight. So, I mean, not George Washington, sorry, St. Louis. St. Louis, very tight game. They won that one off of a, well, what got them there was a three-pointer by Dariante Jenkins with four seconds to go, take it to overtime. Uh, I mean, the big disappointing losses, Dayton, mm-hmm. that was terrible. That was at Dayton, lost by 28, I believe. Lost big to Richmond at home. Uh, not not something you want to see. But they did beat George Washington, 87-63. That one wasn't close. And then they came back and won a tough one against uh, St. Louis. So always good to see them getting better, but would love to see them get there, get to their full potential now and go on a hot streak and go on a run, especially with Rhode Island coming up next Friday. And Rhode Island is ranked, mm-hmm. ranked 24th in the nation. A, a win against them is a big win for VCU. Guys, what do you what do you think is going wrong right now for VCU? Well, it's just it's a, it's a new system, all new players. I know that we've had this team for a couple of months now, but it's a new system, all new players, no Will Wade left last year, so Mike Rose came and implemented his system. 
only had about four-ish returners. Isaac Van hadn't played yet here, so he barely counted as a returner. Uh, just speaking from seeing in person, the Richmond game was just frustrating because it looked like they were getting good looks. It was just like it, some nights the ball doesn't drop, and that was really the way the Richmond game was. But just overall, it's just it's a young team. It's a good core building for the future, but sometimes you kind of hit some bumps when you're trying to implement a new system, and then these rebuilds happen for mid-majors sometimes. So maybe this year will be kind of rough, but I'm optimistic the future will be even better because of this season. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of inconsistency this season, especially with the new coach, new players. But, uh, you know, you just got to build for the future. It's going to take time, but, you know, they have a lot of uh, potential with uh, these younger players coming in. Yeah, I think I think what I would say is the problem is Mike Rhodes has the he has a, re- a very good system. It worked for Shaka back in 2011 when they took the VCU to the final four. He was coach Rhodes was on the staff at the time. It worked then. It worked for Rhodes at Rice. He won 20 game he won over 20 games last season at a program that struggled the year before that. And he brought it here and I believe they have what 16 wins so not no Something like that. It's yeah. I think it's like sixteen, maybe fourteen, fifteen. Uh, so, I mean, VCU is winning ball games. They did have a tough non-conference schedule: UVA mm-hmm. at home, Texas at home. Both games. I mean, the UVA game was a nine-point loss, but it was a two-point game with two minutes to go. A big three by Kyle Guy, and then some free throws kind of spread that out. And then Texas was, what, four points, I believe? Right. And so some some tough losses. I just think what VCU, what the problem is this year, and again, I'm not a coach. I, this is just my opinion. Coach Rhodes doesn't have the right guys for his system. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not he gets them now, gets them in the future, probably because Marcus Evans will be back next year. He's been very successful in Mike Rhodes' system. Some good recruits coming in. There's one... That goes to I can't remember his name. He goes to Trinity. He's a five star big man. VCU's in his top ten. I mean, that's alongside Villanova, Duke, UNC, UVA, all big names. Georgetown, I believe, is still in there. So he probably won't come to VCU. But if he does, that's another big recruit. Plus Isaac Van will be in it here again. All the guys that are here will have a year under him. So I think it's going to be a good year next year. I just think for this year, Coach Rhodes has to realize he doesn't have the right guys to completely fill out his system. Johnny Williams is not a point guard for his system. I just I just don't see it. And the guys, they look like they get gassed in the first 10 minutes of the first half, running full-court press the whole time, shooting 33s a game, making only 10 of them. It's just it's not working. He needs to mix up his defenses, and he needs to work the ball inside. And I believe – Will Wade was kind of handed a silver platter when he came here because he worked a system where he used multiple defenses and fed the ball inside to Mo Cox and Ahmed Hamdi, who were two bruisers down low, and then had guys outside like Jaquan Lewis, Doug Brooks, Jordan Burgess, who could knock down a couple threes when you needed them to. Right. Now, Mike Rhodes' system focuses a lot on the three-ball shooting three-pointers, and there's not a lot of shooters on this team. Johnny Williams, for a point guard, isn't really the best shooter for that position. Like you said, Johnny Williams doesn't really fit this new Havoc system, this new Mike Rhodes uh, offense. Yeah, 
just yeah, pretty much pretty much agree with all that you said. One thing I've talked about recently with some people was that this team lacks a good rim protector. We don't have a really good tall big man to just get in the paint and grab rebounds. Rebounds has been a little bit of a struggle for this team this year. It seems just from the eye test. So maybe get a nice big five star big man like you were talking about, make good a good recruit, try to fill that hole because there's not really a good rim protector to get down low. I mean, even sorry to cut you off, but even Marcus Santos Silva, I mean he's a good big down low. He's a bruiser like Hamdi and Mo were when it comes to size, he matches them. But when it comes to height, he's like four inches shorter than Mo was. So it it and I mean he's not the most athletic big. He can grab boards great, but it's just when he goes up against a guy like Mo Bamba, mm-hmm. who is seven foot and athletic, it's hard to match with him. Yeah, and the problem with this team is that there's not a lot of identity with them. You know, there is no Mo Ali Cox or Hamdi this year. I mean, they need more bruisers, like the five star recruit that we sh- that we might get next year from Trinity. And uh, you know, not a lot of shooters. You know, we can't just have Darionte Jenkins shooting all the threes. You know. Yeah, I mean him and Crowfield, and they, I mean there are two best shooters, and we have guys like Van and Mobley, but we're just not getting the production out of them like we would like they we wanted to. Van came in averaging 17 a game. Yes, it was at Maine at uh the University of Maine, but I mean he was averaging 17 a game. So it, I mean, we were expecting some better numbers from him because he's supposed to be a solid shooter, but it's just VCU's not getting the numbers that they needed to out of him. Right, and just these freshmen, there are some good freshmen. Marcus Santos Silva, I was actually impressed of how well he matched up on Bamba, considering he didn't really have good sizing on him. Bamba's obviously way bigger. He's probably going to be in the NBA draft next year, so obviously barely compares. But he played pretty well at Texas. Mobley's getting starts now, which is probably a good idea. At this point, mix it up, play some of your young guys, see what they do. Mobley's pretty pretty impressive. I think he set a career high in assists a couple games ago at George Washington, so that's a good start. So we've got some good pieces moving forward. But, yeah, just try some things. Maybe, like you said, Coach Rose doesn't really have the right players for a system. Get some guys that can really do the press defense well, really shoot the three ball, and just work with what he has, these new recruits, because it might take some time for the seasoning. It's a very young team, but I'm optimistic for the future, but you get your lumps sometimes when you have a lot of coaching changes. Yeah, and I think two guys that I would like, and it's no disrespect to Johnny, he has stuck through three different coaches through four years, and he deserves a lot because he has been the heart of he's been the heart of this team for a while. He's been the Richmond boy. The people, everybody loves him, and he's a good basketball player. He's not sadly, in my opinion, he's not going to go to the NBA. He's undersized as a guard. He can't shoot, and I mean he can get to the rim. He's a he's a slasher. That's about all mm-hmm. he is. But he's not the size to be a shooting guard where he can slash, and he doesn't have the defensive ability to be say like an Avery Bradley who goes to the league on his defense, and that's it. I would like to see, even at the point guard position, Tyler May and Xavier Jackson get some starts at the point guard, especially Xavier Jackson, because defensively, he is a great defender. On-ball defender, he's a great on-ball defender. Give him a start at the uh, at the one. Let Malik Crowfield, Dariante Jenkins form out the 2-3, and then Tillman and Mobley at the 4-5. It seems like it's a smaller lineup, but let let Jackson focus on getting a couple baskets at the hoop and then passing the ball. I think that he has the 
court vision to get like eight, nine assists and find some open guys, especially if he can slash to the basket with his with his uh, side-to-side speed that he has. He is a great athlete. I'd like to see him get some more starts at the one. The thing is, uh, when when are we going to get the opportunity to try out those lineups? You know, we might not be fortunate enough to try them out because we're still going to try it again to the March Madness tournament. But uh, yeah, this honestly, season isn't a isn't a total loss at this point. Yeah. So we can't just say let's try to build for the future. I'm just saying I I would like to see him. I mean, maybe a game where we have GW coming up in uh, a few weeks at George Washington. I mean, we already beat them once by 24 points. Why not let's give Johnny a little bit of rest and slide in Xavier Jackson, let him get a start, and see how that offense works with a guy who can seems like he'd be able to run full court for a good while without getting gassed. Right, and Coach Rose does have confidence in Xavier Jackson. He got a few starts when Crowfield and Van were both hurt back in November, December. He played pretty well, but obviously you want Crowfield and Van out there. Those are two of the better players. So really recently there hasn't been much room to get him or Tyler May much playing time as starters. But both of them, especially Tyler May, I was reading some good stuff about him in the offseason moving in. He He looks like he can be a really good recruit and potentially a really good shooter coming down the line. But we'll just see. He's a true freshman, so he's got plenty of time to work on everything and just try to get better? Yeah, I think for him this year, I wouldn't say it's a waste. I would say it's a good building year. Next year and the year after that, his sophomore, junior, those are going to be his big building years because he's going to be behind Marcus Evan, a guard who is just like him, a a guard who can shoot and score but is fast and can guard. He's going to – and Marcus Evans has already showed he can succeed. He was – Big transfer recruit that everyone was trying to get. Averaged 20 points a game at Rice. And he fortunately came to VCU. Tyler May learns under him for two years. By his uh, by his senior year, which would be P.J. Bird, a recruit coming in next year's junior year, VCU will have a good uh, backcourt to solidify the future coming up. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up for the VCU team. Right. And that's going to take us to our next song break. And after we come back, we're going to get into a little bit of some A-10 talk just to kind of see what's going on around the conference and everything as we're about midway through this basketball season. Cause baby, I love you. All right, and welcome back to the Aftermath. We are now moving forward and going to talk about the A-10 for a little bit. Some key notes in the A-10. Uh, obviously, University of Rhode Island stays on top. They are currently undefeated in conference play. Currently ranked number 24 in the nation, too, which is huge for the A-10. Defeated Dayton 88-74 to on the road, as they've, once again, they've been undefeated so far in conference play. Jared Terrell was named A-10 Co-Player of the Week for the second time this season, and the award was also shared with Davidson's Peyton Aldridge this past week. Duquesne is a record of 5-2, and two, falling close behind Rhode Island, coming off a win against George Mason, a six-point win against George Mason. Eric Williams Jr. Owned co-rookie of the, earned Co-Rookie of the Week in the A-10 and is the nation's fourth-leading freshman rebounder, so earned that award. At the bottom of the standings, Fordham is just 1-6. 
uh, was recently blown out by St. Joe's, 68 to 46, and they host nationally ranked U of R, U- URI today. So we'll see how that goes. VCU currently fourth in the A10 with a four and three record, coming off wins against George Washington, the win against St. Louis in overtime, and they play George Mason this week in Fairfax this Saturday afternoon. So guys, just what are your thoughts on the A10 so far? How Rhode Island is kind of running away with it so far? If anybody could possibly catch them, and then if it's possibly, is this a one bid league, or you think there'd be any at large? Um, I believe there there might be a possible at large bid, but. What I I what I honestly think is going to happen, and people may say I'm crazy for this. I think three A ten teams are going to the tournament. Hmm. Rhode Island's going to win the regular season automatic bid. Dayton going to finish second, make it in. VCU is going to win the tournament and make it in on an automatic bid, and. Dayton at large and VCU and Rhode Island getting automatic bids because of regular season and tournament champs. Those are my three teams going to the tournament in March. Hmm. Crazy, but so crazy it just might work. Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule. I disagree a little bit. Rhode Island, I think you can pretty much pencil them in now. I mean, they've they're 24th in the nation. You don't leave them out. Uh, they're probably going to win the regular season. They're pretty far ahead of the rest of the conference. I think it's a one-bid league unless they somehow lose the A-10 tournament, which I could see definitely happening, see a team get hot, maybe a VCU, maybe a Dayton. So, if, But I think if you are if Rhode Island wins the A-10 tournament, I don't really see any of A-10 teams finding an at-large bid. Maybe Bonaventure? I think they have a nice team, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it might just be two A-10 teams. I think uh, Rhode Island is obviously definitely going to be in there, but... I think that second spot, it's either going to go to Dayton or VCU, and right now it's looking like it's going to be Dayton. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's all up for grabs. Uh, the A-10 tournament seems to be a a funny league. Um, three years ago, we came out of nowhere and won it. Two years ago, I think St. Bonaventure mm-hmm. won it with DeAndre Bembry, who is an absolute monster when he was at uh St. Bonaventure. And then last year, I believe it was Rhode Island. Right. So, I mean, it's all up for grabs, different teams every year. Dayton, they always seem like they're a tough team. They come out of nowhere. Uh Rhode Island, strong as ever. Like you said Bonaventure is tough. Duquesne has shown a lot of potential this year. And VCU, they've shown that they can hang with some big dogs. They've shown that they can Struggle with some weak dogs in the Richmond game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are looking down on them, but I think they're a force to be reckoned with, and they're the dark horse of the A-10 tournament, which is weird to say, but VCU's the dark horse. Yeah, that's kind of a new role for VCU because the last few years, VCU's always been first or second or top three in A-10 regular season. They've always been one of the favorites to win the tournament. I don't really know if they'll be a favorite. Obviously, you never count out VCU. They did play some tough opponents in the beginning of the season. Texas were up against Texas in the final five minutes before that game kind of got away. Played Virginia close, and Virginia is now, my memory's right, second or third in the nation, too? Second. Second in the nation. So, again, playing the second team in the nation that close, they weren't second at the time, but obviously that's a good. That's good. They played Seton Hall. Seton Hall didn't go as well, but obviously a tough out-of-conference schedule. They played well against these tough teams, 
and they could definitely make a run. But then again, like you said, the A-10 is always wide open. Different teams always seem to come out every year. There could be a team that we're not even thinking about right now in the conference that will probably just, just get hot at the right time and just run through the tournament. Yeah, I, I think I think VCU, I don't – whether or not they win next Friday night against Rhode Island is a different story. They are playing Rhode Island. It's on ESPN. It's a big game. It's a big night. Nationally ranked team. But what VCU has going for them, it is here in Richmond. Home court advantage. The Siegel Center is a different atmosphere. Rhode Island's been here. They know what they're coming into. But it is a different atmosphere. And VCU, other than the Richmond game, VCU tends to play better in the Siegel Center, especially with a game like that. I mean, both the big games, Texas and UVA, were on television. They were here, both close games. I think it's going to be close. Don't know whether or not VC will pull it out, but if they do pull it out, then I see right then and there is how their season is going to go for the, re- for the second half of the season. If they win that game, I say watch out A-10. Because VCU's coming. If they lose that game, then it's it's still going to be up in the air. Yeah, I think VCU's going to go into that game pretty confident. I mean, they won't have much to lose in that game. They're not expected to win. They are the under they are the underdogs. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Rhode Island has every, has everything to lose in that game. They could easily fall out of the the top twenty five if they lose that. So, plus it'll also help even if VCU like okay. Texas will probably make the tournament this year. UVA will make the tournament this year. Those are two big losses when it comes to RPI points, which is what they take into account Excuse me. when they're trying to pick those other teams to fill out the bracket. If VCU wins that, then if you watch on Selection Sunday, it'll say big wins this season was Rhode Island. The big losses this win this season were UVA and Texas, both teams that are already in the tournament. And so, who knows, VCU may grab one of those 16 seeds, maybe a play-in game where they're playing the first day of the tournament. VCU beats a team, and they have to go play a number one seed on the first day. Who knows, VCU may be the first 16 seed to win a game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, VCU does it, has done it before. I guarantee Kansas didn't go into that game with both Morris brothers thinking – Hey, we're gonna we're gonna lose to this team right here. VCU VCU knows how to get it done when it comes to March. I, I won't say that they're the same team with uh, Bradford Burgess and Joey Rodriguez and Reddick and all those guys, but they're still a they're still a good team. I mean, Justin Tillman averaging averaging a, like a double double this season. Uh, Johnny Williams does know how to get to the basket. He can pass. I wasn't trying to take anything away from him earlier. And Dariontae Jenkins, if he finds it, people should watch out because he was a big recruit coming in. He was a he was a good player. He was a four star coming into VCU. So some good players here. I think I think they have what it takes. It it it, it all starts on February second at seven o'clock at the Siegel Center with Rhode Island. And you know VCU is kind of lacks that signature win so far. They have some very good losses against obviously Texas and. Virginia, and those are very quality losses, but they kind of lack a huge win. Off the top of my head, I can't think of what possibly their biggest win could be. They had some opportunities in Maui slip away against some decent teams, too, like Michigan. So that, that could have been a signature win. But Rhode Island would definitely, especially in conference play against a nationally ranked team, 
would definitely be a, a good signature win and something that Selection Sunday would prove to be critical. Yeah, if VCU can pick up a win this weekend at George Mason and then pick up a, a win against Rhode Island, I I mean, I think they play Dayton one more time at home and then Davidson, that's going to be a pretty tough game, and then we got to go to U of R. I, th- I think VCU can almost win out at this point. I, c- I could see them winning out at this point. They struggle on the road. They did the same last year. But I could see them winning out if they beat Rhode Island. And that's going to take us to our next song break. After that, we're going to come back with some other college sports news. And we're going to see where that takes us as we got a lot to talk about when we get back. Welcome back to the Aftermath, everybody. We're moving forward now to our college sports section, and we have a lot to talk about since our last show last semester. First off in college football, Alabama won the college football playoffs again in a thriller, an overtime thriller against the University of Georgia. Uh, odds makers have Stanford running back Bryce Love as the early odds-on favorite to win the 2019 Heisman Trophy. Very early favorite. Top two quarterback prospects, UCLA's Josh Rosen, USC's Sam Darnold, declared for the NFL draft less than a half hour apart once the season was over. HBO is now making a documentary about former Penn State coach Joe Paterno, where Al Pacino plays former coach Paterno. Uh, Lane Kiffin hired a 24-year-old as his new uh, Florida Atlantic University offensive coordinator, one of the youngest, if not the youngest, coordinator in college football today. In college basketball, Kentucky's fallen out of the top 25 for the first time in over three years with that mostly freshman lineup. Top recruit Zion Williamson commits to Duke over Clemson, North Carolina, and more schools. Trey Young leads number 12 Oklahoma in an 85-80 win over number 8 Kansas, while Virginia Tech upset 10th ranked North Carolina in an 11-point win. Also, Jason Kidd was fired in the NBA as the coach of Milwaukee Bucks, and numerous favorites have come up. One thing that's kind of interesting is former Louisville coach Rick Pitino, who, if you remember, got fired last summer across the whole FBI scandal across college sports. Among more names mentioned, including ESPN analyst Jeff Van Gundy and then former Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. So, guys, we have a lot to talk about here, so I'll just kind of open up the floor to whatever topic you have something to say about. I mean, we have a lot to cover, a lot of interesting stories going on in college sports this month. So just what's interesting? What's going on? I'm only 21. That guy is 24, and he is an (laughs) offensive coordinator at a good university who averaged like 40 points a game. I I mean, that's just... I mean, he he just sets the he sets the bar right there. I got three years. I got three <laughs> years to get it together. Oh man! No, we talk about Sean McVay in the NFL. He's thirty-one, thirty-two, youngest head coach in the NFL. I thought that was crazy young, but gosh, twenty-four FAU offensive coordinator. We got under Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's a pretty good coach too. So he he hires good staff. So he must be some sort of prodigy. Do you guys think this is going to be a new trend in the future, hiring younger guys to to coach? I think so, just because of. People are realizing that these some of these younger guys have the same like I wouldn't say the same amount of knowledge, but they see the game in a in just as a unique way as the older guys, like the forty five, fifty year old guys do. They don't have the experience, but they see the game in the same way. And they also they have bet I think they can relate better to the kids. I mean, if you have a twenty two year old quarterback on your team and you're twenty four, you were there two years ago, you know what he's going through. 
I I think that it's I think that it's a trend a lot of people are going to start doing because they see that these guys can relate to the players and have just as knowledge when it comes to calling plays and Lane Kiffin's just the first one to get the ball rolling. Now whether or not this is kind of, he's kind of the guinea pig of this whether or not it it works out, I mean we'll see after next season. I think it's going to work out because my thoughts is Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for Alabama, is going to be at FAU next year with Lane Kiffin after Tua Tagovailoa pretty much said, I'm the starting quarterback at Alabama now after the second half of that national championship game where he led them back from 24-7 to to win in overtime. Yeah, that was wild watching that last college football playoff game, watching the championship game. I mean, Nick Saban's a genius. We all know he's one of the best coaches, if not the best head coach in the history of football, in the history of college football at least. Uh, to bench your quarterback at halftime in a championship game, the one that got you all the way there, it's just that's bold. It worked out for him. I mean, Tua was very nice. He played exceptionally well. He brought them back, and he pretty much looks like he took the starting job. So like you said, Hertz was probably going to be looking for a transfer, and then Lane Kiffin, he obviously has history with him. Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator at Bama last year. So I could see that definitely working out and then have that new uh, offensive coordinator come in. That would be very interesting. I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. It'd, it'd be fun to see what happens over there at FAU, a team that already averaged 40 points a game last year. And in their bowl game, they they made a bowl game this year, and I think they, they won like 56-3. to three. Yeah, it was something like that. They, so, they blew them out. So, I mean, the team is all offensively explosive because of Lane Kiffin being there. And Jalen Hurts had a big year for Alabama two years ago. I mean, they did lose the national championship to a great Clemson team. But I, I, can see, I see him going there. If he doesn't go there, he goes to another big SEC team. But I see him going there and just balling out. Yeah, and uh, Zion Williamson committing to Duke. I mean, next year's Duke team is going to be crazy. They already have R.J. Barrett, Cameron Reddish, Trey Jones. I mean – that do you think they're the early favorites? For sure, they have the top three recruits. Uh, it's like a few years ago when Kentucky almost went undefeated. They lost in the Final Four, if my memory's right. But they went undefeated in the regular season and almost ran through the tournament. That's this when team, they had like uh, Willie Colley Stein, and right. they li- they had ten guys that could have started at any Division One school that they would have dreamed of. Their their five bench players that they would bring in were good enough to be a starting squad three of their bench players that year got drafted in the first round how do you, how do you get drafted in the first round as a bench player from i mean i get from kentucky but like you you're a bench player you were playing like 15 minutes a game but what you showed in that 15 minutes you were good enough to be a top 5 a top 25 pick so i mean if duke and plus grayson allen will be gone from duke mm-hmm. so I think they're going to be unreal next year, especially with Coach K. Yeah, Grayson Allen will be gone. Bagley will probably be gone as well, but he looks to be a one-and-done. So that definitely opens up some spots for these new recruits. And, gosh, they got all the top three recruits. Zion going to Duke was a little bit of a surprise. A lot lot of people saw him going there just because I don't really remember the reasoning why. I think he's from South Carolina, so they were looking at Clemson. They were looking at USC, University of South Carolina, USC. Uh looking at them as possible favorites, which would have been a big get, especially for a school like Clemson doesn't really have a good history with basketball to get a top recruit like that. But Coach K has been doing this for like 40 years. He knows what he's doing. He can really recruit. Yeah, I, I think I think it's an amazing pickup. I think that 
they're gonna be they're gonna be studs down there, and it's gonna be fun to watch because I mean we've all seen him. He's a human highlight reel. <laughs> Six eight. He's he's literally LeBron James right now size wise in an eighteen year old's body. Which is unreal. He's 6'8", 250, I think. Mm-hmm. LeBron's 6'8", 260, maybe. So, yeah. Just just imagine what LeBron would have been like if he was 6'8", 260 when he was in high school. Already the most dominant player in the nation. going Coming out of high school and going straight to the NBA and averaging 25 a game in your rookie season. Imagine if he would have had that extra 50, 60 pounds on him. Like he does now. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of hype around him, and you know he doesn't seem to be bothered by it. You know he's he's remained pretty calm through it throughout it. So, you know he he's gonna move on to bigger things. Yeah, and that's gonna take us to our last music break. We're gonna come back and hit up our last segment of the show, and that's gonna be the professional sports world. And we got some exciting news because the draft for the NBA All Star Game was released about. 20 minutes ago, 20, 30 minutes ago. So those names are kind of – it's kind of funny to see who went where, but it's going to be fun to talk about. Of course, we got NFL to talk about, everything to talk about when we get back. But we'll be back right after this. So it's a Hello, welcome back everybody. Uh, we're back with the Aftermath and we're going to take you into professional sports now. Obviously, uh, the big storyline right now is the Super Bowl. It's been set. Uh, Patriots and Eagles. The Patriots, they beat the Jaguars in the AFC Championship 24-20. to This is going to be the Patriots' 10th Super Bowl appearance. That's that's an NFL record. And the Eagles pretty much routed the Vikings 38-7. to uh, they're going to represent the NFC in uh, the Super Bowl, held being held in Minnesota. So, uh, what do you guys have to say about the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I don't like this matchup. The Eagles are kind of boring to me. I don't understand. Just like they don't really have the star power. Let's say the Vikings, they're a more interesting team than me. Jaguars are way more interesting. I love good defensive battles, and then Patriots make it every every year. They've Brady and Belichick have been eight times now. I think after this year. The Patriots should be suspended from the playoffs for the next <laughs> 10 years. Uh, Brady, Belichick, both of y'all just go ahead and hang it up. Uh, we'll go ahead and put you in a nice foster home. We'll get you set up straight. I mean, y'all are both set for life. You can lay in bed every night with your Super Bowl rings because we know you're going to win this year too. <coughs> Referees <coughs> paid off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just I just hate the way that the Super Bowl panned out. Really wish it would have been Jags Vikes. Uh, both teams that I picked to be in it are out now. I had actually had the Steelers playing the Vikings. Jaguars ruined that one for me, and the Eagles ruined it as well. So, yeah, I really, I really hate this matchup too. I mean, you know, I despise the Patriots, but I'm a Redskins fan. I, I can't support a division rival. No, I can't. I'm, I'm a Dallas fan. I hate the Patriots, and I just cannot root for the Eagles. It's impossible. I might not even watch the Super Bowl because <laughs> I, I just don't know. Like, I can't do it. Yeah, this is the first year since been like 10-plus. Since I was a little kid, I've thought about – I mean, I'm a Washington fan too, so Eagles aren't really that exciting to me. 
and then Patriots make it every year. This is the first year in like a decade that I could think about that I was just not excited. Just like if I skip the Super Bowl, it's just whatever. Yeah, this might be the first Super Bowl that I just watched the commercials and that's it. Like <laughs> maybe the halftime show. Who's in the halftime show this uh, year? Justin Timberlake. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, JT. I'll, I'll like that and the commercials. That's that's all I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna look for the Budweiser <laughs> and Doritos commercial because those are the two biggest ones every year. After that, I'm I don't know what I'm gonna do. Right, and the uh, NBA All Star teams were just released. Uh, LeBron James and Stephen Curry. You know, they're the two captains. They just had their draft earlier today. The teams were announced about half an hour ago, and uh, I'll just name off the teams. So uh, on Team LeBron, uh, starting alongside him is going to be Demarcus Cousins. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. So LeBron did pick Kyrie. Any thoughts on that? I I mean I saw it happening. Mm-hmm. I think there's more love there than hate. People are just trying to get publicity out. People people need to make money. The AP needs to make money. They need something to write about. So does Bleacher Report. That's how I see it. I also think he needed a really true point guard to kind of round out his team just from a basketball sense. And then Steph Curry is really the best point guard that was an all star. And obviously he was the captain, so he couldn't take him. And then Steph got James Harden. So if he's just looking from a basketball standpoint, Kyrie was honestly the best pick for him there. And plus, they have history together. They know they can play on the same team well. So Yeah, they have chemistry. I guarantee they connect with an alley-oop. Easy. First oh, couple sure. minutes of the game. And uh, for uh, the reserves for Team LeBron, we have LaMarcus Aldridge, Bradley Beal, Kevin Love, Victor Oladipo, Christoph Porzingis, John Wall, and Russell Westbrook. Any thoughts on those? That's a tough lineup. That's strong. That is a tough lineup. And, I mean, both teams are going to be great, but that is a tough lineup. And for Team Curry, starting alongside Steph, we have uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, and James Harden. For his reserves, he picked Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, Al Horford, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that's a, that's a really good lineup as well. I just think that star power. I mean, all of them are all stars. All of them are great basketball players. I just think when it comes to who's gonna be the star of the show, in my opinion, Kevin Durant's gonna win the MVP in this game, mm-hmm. and he's gonna drop like forty, <laughs> and it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be fun to watch the teammates play each other, Al Horford and Kyrie Irving, and then Kevin Durant having to play against his three Warriors teammates for the first time since 2015 when he was back on OKC. So it's it's going to be fun to watch. And also another interesting point, Westbrook and Durant are on the same team again this year, so we might see another alley between them, maybe, you know, the reconnect. Yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to see. It's, it's, it's a lot of the, the controversial couples that broke up in the last couple of years, KD and Russ, LeBron and Kyrie, it's funny how they're both they're all on the same team again. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Also, we had the Pro Bowl this weekend, so that's going to be fun to watch. A lot of activities there. But also, big news in baseball. The Hall of Fame was announced yesterday. So, big congrats to my hero growing up. I know, Jason, you said the same thing. Chipper Jones, well-deserved, best switch hitter ever, in my opinion. One of the best third basemen, easily top three. Agree with all of that. Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman. All those guys, straight studs. I remember watching them all growing up. All of them well-deserving. There was a couple guys that I think will get in next year that should have got in. And I I mean, I agree with the committee that voted. But welcome to Cooperstown. You guys all deserve it. And 
Really happy. Really happy that Chipper's there. But that's going to be it for us today on the aftermath. Thanks for joining in. If you like what we, if you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join us next week, Thursday, seven, same time, same place. I'm Parker Shoemaker here with Jason Bowman and Roland Haka. Thank you guys and good night, everybody.